Hi, welcome to Mimi. I'm Mel. I created Mimi as a safe space for creativity, a place for creatives to come together, get inspired, and find help through accessible coaching, free resources, and fun workshops and masterclasses on everything from branding, surface design, illustration, and more. The Mimi podcast is basically a really good excuse for me to chat with amazing people, from illustrators and designers to photographers, makers, and more. In today's episode, I get to chat with Owen Davy. Owen is an illustrator based in Worthing, and I'm pretty sure you've come across his work before. His bold, geometric, colorful illustrations can be found everywhere, from editorials, animations, branding, advertising, but mainly in books. I personally love his series of non-fiction illustrated books about animals, my favorite being Smart About Sharks. In our conversation, we talk about his obsession with being an illustrator growing up, how he found an agent straight out of uni, how his favorite part of the illustration process may well be researching his subject, and why he loves limited color palettes so much. I feel like Owen and I could have chatted for hours. It was such a fun experience getting to talk about the creative industry and the work he's doing. From discussing giving back through his portfolio reviews, to thinking about the time we'll get to dive with whale sharks, hopefully pretty soon. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Hi. Hello. How, How are, are you? you? <laughs> the really classic good. intro. Yeah, like uh, hello. Um yeah. I'm a bit nervous actually, you know. Um it's going to be nervous. okay. I know I know you love talking and I love talking so that it, sh- it should all be fine. But I feel like I've loved your work for so long. And oh, I don't know if thanks. you, you probably won't remember. Oh, my club. Hey. But I got this when I moved to London like seven, eight years ago now. And mm. I mean, I love sharks. I'm obsessed. And yeah, I remember I posted a picture of it and you said, oh, oh thank you. And I was like, oh, my God. You know, when you're still starstruck on Instagram going like, oh. Um, so, yeah, I'm very excited because I feel like I've read so much about you. I probably know so much about you and you know nothing of me. So it's really funny. You're probably <laughs> like, oh, no, she's had to stalk me. Um, but, yeah, OK, let's start at the very beginning with little okay. Owen, because I like to know how people were when they were kids and how it okay. influenced how they are now. So I couldn't find where you grew up. Maybe let's just start there. So I grew up in a little village called Hurstbid Point, which is near Brighton. It's like half an hour outside of Brighton and it doesn't have a train station. The nearest train station is Hassocks. So I was a sort of village country kid, but very influenced by my love of Brighton and would kind of go there. As soon as I was kind of of, you know, 14, 15 age, I would kind of be going there as much as possible for gigs and things like that and culture, finding culture at quite a late age. <laughs> um, other than that, it was a lot of... Uh, you know, hanging out in countrysideness, uh, which is lovely as well, but um, very different. So, yeah. Yeah. So did you, what were your parents doing? Were they not creative in some way? No, my my whole family is not creative. Uh, my parents are both kind of teachers. My dad in kind of various forms. Yeah. My, my brothers are both kind of actuaries and accountants and they're all very sporty and I try my best, but I'm rubbish. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah I'm sort of a weird anomaly in my family, but they were never kind of, um, they were never discouraging. They knew I, I just, at every opportunity I was drawing, like that was my, my brothers would be surfing in the sea. I'd go in for a swim, but then I'd get cold. I'd, you know, I'd come out and draw whilst they carried on. Uh, that was just 
Always what I've done. That's really sweet. And it's funny because in my family, it's like the opposite. We're all like artistic and designers and illustrators. And my brother is the, he's really creative because we're saying they're not creative, but you know, everybody's creative. It's more like we're quite artistic, but he's an engineer and he's really like good at math. And like, it's the opposite. And we're like, where did he come from? Because it's like <laughs> so weird. But yeah, so I, I remember reading that you, you knew you wanted to make kids books when you were a kid, which I thought was really funny. What was that yeah. about? When did he come from? I think it's literally just the idea of I d- that that was my introduction to illustration really but you know you're you're being read these books by parents or at school or whatever and you're like oh those are really cool drawings I like them I want to do that and then you know I drew loads and so it was kind of an obvious match and I, I'm so single-minded that I've just never deviated from that I've always just been like I want to draw that's that's what I want to do for a living and so yeah even as a kid that was that was my answer which is possibly really boring but you know it's all good no it's uh yeah it's pretty amazing because I can see we know you've got kids as well but my my daughter is younger than yours I've got two daughters two yeah girls. five and four how, how yeah. old's yours she's gonna be two in a couple of weeks so ah, nice. she tears books apart that's what yeah. she does really well I don't <laughs> think she has a point where she knows she could possibly do this you know like yeah. she's just not there yet but yeah I love that because as a kid I was very obviously because my parents were both creative I was already kind of doing loads of bits but I never thought I loved magazines so I was like oh maybe I'll make magazines when I grow up but I never never nice. looked at books thinking someone is doing this as a job and one day I might be able to do this you know so it's pretty cool that you had that you know thinking behind when you think about it yeah I mean I don't know I, maybe I'd been taught about the fact that people do it as a job I don't mm-hmm. know I mean I'm, I, I occasionally do workshops in schools and there's these days I feel like they're like really on it in terms of they off a lot of them know what authors and illustrators are and have some vague inkling of what our lives are like and but I feel like Back in, you know, 30 years ago, it was a bit sort of uh, hit or miss, just luck, whether you found out what a job was or not. Yeah, I don't I, yeah, I don't know how I knew about it, but yeah, cool. I'm glad I did. I like it. Yeah. So you studied in Falmouth, but I read, I don't know, maybe that's the thing you referred to that you didn't remember because you told me you didn't remember saying some things. And it's probably the thing when you've done a lot of interviews, sometimes yeah. you've got stuff coming up. You're like, did I say that? Um, yeah. But you said something like that you considered yourself self-taught in a way. So I'm really curious to hear like what your experience was in art school and why why you kind of feel this way. Do you know what? I think, because I, ha- I had to think about that. I was like, why did I ever say that? I think I was taught technical skills at college and school and things like that. But because I spent so much time doing outside of those things and exploring things for myself. And, you know, I was often taught about like Rembrandt and Caravaggio and all these kind of famous masters or whatever but the illustration was probably never really sort of shared and so it was my own love of it that that kind of took me down that kind of route and you know as a kid I would sit and draw things like Zelda from magazines and stuff and that was more my kind of style but I did all the kind of painting things and things like that Um, and at uni it wasn't so much you know at the point that you might think you'd be being taught illustration I felt like I was being taught the technical skills for how to reproduce stuff correctly and how to manage myself as a business person in the illustration industry and what 72 DPI was and all that kind of stuff people were there because they had the skills people were there because they were artists already I was surrounded by amazing individuals who who all had their own kind of creative visual language and amazing ideas and all that kind of stuff and a lot of that you know maybe encouraged by schools and stuff like that 
that. But I feel like every artist is a little bit self-taught. But I think to say I'm self-taught does a disservice to the fact that I've had a lot of education to help me as well. You know, I've had the privilege of being able to go to university and uh, all that kind of stuff. So I would never describe myself now as being self-taught, but I feel like there's a there's a large element of work on your own terms as well. Does that make any sense? Yeah, no, it does. And I think that's what I thought when I read it, because I did think you probably didn't really mean it like that. I did think yeah. it's just, yeah, there's so much else. You can't learn everything in art school and it's, you kind of get what you can. And it's good though that they taught you what you were saying about the business side of things. Cause it's going to lead to my other question about how you started out, like in the creative industry straight away. Cause I'm pretty amazed that you graduated and then you basically got an agent straight away that you still have mm-hmm. to this day. And I was thinking how, where did you find the confidence like in yeah. yourself, in your art, like that you could just go out there and look for an agent straight away? Probably didn't see it as confidence. And, and I guess there is an element of, element of confidence to just kind of go with your gut. I've always wanted to be an illustrator. Before I knew what it was, I wanted to be an illustrator. And so it wasn't necessarily confidence that I would get someone responding to me or that someone would want to to necessarily have me but I was like well this is what I want to try and do the only way this is going to happen is if I get myself out there and so I just thought I'd do a bunch of meetings and you know because I did the same thing with publishers as well I was in London there was DNAD and new designers or something like that. there were two different shows in London that we were kind of encouraged to go to with Falmouth and I was like well I'm here I don't live in London I'll make the most of it I will try and meet up with as many people as I can who are all based in London, especially back then. And, you know, I got rejections from a bunch of people and was lucky enough to get a few people interested in none of my books. There was the only meeting uh, book wise that ever worked out was in Brighton, which is kind of weird. But the yeah, I had a few different agents actually kind of interested in my work, which I, I don't I, maybe the market wasn't as saturated back then. Maybe there weren't as many people kind of putting themselves out there. But I, I just got lucky. And, you know, my work wasn't bad. I'm not saying that I'm not trying to be self-deprecating on that. But like my work has moved on a lot just to go back to the whole thing of a lot of unis not talking about kind of business stuff. I think that's something that Falmouth is really great at. And they, they have been really great at it for a really long time they didn't really necessarily work that much i think on people's styles they were trying to make sure that you could do illustration professionally rather than like be good be a good creator it was like how do you do this in the industry um and so i knew about agents and i was like okay well i'll i'll contact them and just see uh and i went to a bunch of different ones and i sort of uh, you know i'm i do my research it's one of the big things that i think i'm as done me really well over the years uh, but I researched you know how many people they had on their books versus how many agents they had and I asked all those questions and stuff as well I asked the percentages they have and all that kind of stuff so I don't know if maybe that professionalism may have helped me as well and then there were some of them that came back that I was like you know what with the answers I got I don't think this is a great deal. I don't know if I do want to be with, be with you. And Folio, who are the people I've been with for 13, 14 years now, they gave me feedback, which was like, the, they were the only people that gave me feedback. They were like, I remember exactly what they said, because I had loads of stuff, which I see all the time with uh, recent graduates, is every single illustration is a full bleed, full colour, everything illustration. And yet that's not always what clients want. And so Folio were like, it'd be great to just see some of your characters on their own, cut to white, which was really good feedback, really concise feedback that I could take whether or not I went with them. And I was like, you know what? They care. Already they care. They also gave me cake, which was nice. They were very friendly. We got on, we chatted. And I feel like when you're getting into a, any kind of relationship, you know, with anyone kind of professionally or otherwise, you want to get on, you want to have some things kind of in common in terms of you want to know they're, they're going to listen to you or something like that. If I'd have gone in there and they were dismissive or if they weren't attentive or whatever, then maybe it would have been like, eh. Um, so yeah, I, I, lucked out and they wanted to be and I wanted to be with them and it, it worked out great so yeah I was just lucky 
<laughs> that's a rubbish answer. No, it's an amazing answer. And I think, yeah, I think you probably lucked out in the sense that you just got along. You know, it just worked. You you found the right one quite quickly. For you, because you wanted to make books, you probably still had that in your head, like constantly. Is that also why you wanted an agent? Did you think, I know I kind of need an agency if I want to start making books? Do you know what? No, um, because my agent, basically my book route was separate to, to Folio because you kind of, I'm sure you know this anyway, but anyone that doesn't, yeah, uh, you have us. kind of, yeah, you have like book agents and you have uh, kind of book commercial agents and they kind of do a different role and they take different percentages and, uh, you know, literary agents are a, a very different kind of uh, thing to a commercial agent. And so I just didn't get Folio involved in my books really for a long time and I've I've used them for a few but a lot of the books I've cultivated those relationships myself and I've you know met up with clients and got rejected by many people with very many ideas and all that kind of stuff and I do think there's something really important and my you know my tutors were saying this at Falmouth really important about kind of having that face-to-face client thing you know even if it's Zoom these days but having that thing of of actually chatting about a project or trying to trying to sell your work and stuff like that that sort of professional side is quite a hard thing to learn and so getting practice of that is great and you know some of these if you've Research my stuff. You've probably seen the story that I tell a thousand times. But I contacted Nobrow in 2010, who are Flying Eye as well, like the Flying Eye or an imprint of Nobrow. And I didn't have a book published with them until 2015. But I contacted them constantly in those five years and proposed new book projects. And you know, they liked my stuff. I wasn't just pestering them; they liked it. But we couldn't find anything that quite fit. And so I just had to just really be persistent with it. And eventually, we got a book deal out of it. And you know, I'm working on the ninth book at the moment. So that sort of tenacity was really helpful. Sorry. I'm massively go on tangents no I'm I love sure it I've gone on a tangent no then no as please well. go apologize. on tangents because and it's funny that you're mentioning that because yeah I I think it was another podcast you were on and I was listening and I've had a few people like that that I've contacted and they were like oh we love your stuff but we don't have anything ready or we will keep you in mind and but send us your stuff and it's funny as I was listening to you I was like oh there's this brand I really love and they said that and I haven't sent something in ages so yeah. I like I created something I was like hey guys me again look what I've made and yeah it's such good advice though I think if someone likes your stuff and yeah they want to see more of it and like keep at it and keep but yeah without pestering them obviously yeah but, um, yeah I love that because yeah you said about yeah it was the monkey isn't it you did like you yeah. sent a monkey illustration and then they had a meeting and they were like oh who's done a monkey illustration and it was you and the first exactly. book came out that's amazing it's so but cool I mean, what, though thank you yeah for me it makes kind of good not over even business sense but uh, sort of it's sort of a politeness or a courtesy thing as well of like if someone gives you feedback that you actually agree with because not everyone you chat to you're going to agree with and sometimes you know not everyone in the industry is great and so sometimes you just need to ignore them and move on that's fine but if someone's giving you constructive feedback if you act on that and show it to them not only does that show them the the newer version which they might like because they've specifically told you to do it like that it also shows them that you can respond to feedback and that you can take on board their ideas so I just think it makes a lot of sense and you know I do quite a lot of these portfolio chats things, which we might come to in later on. But one of the big things I kind of say is, especially when you're starting out and you're contacting, you know, hundreds of people and trying to sort of cold call these kind of people, if anyone gives you any kind of response and say, please stay in touch, make a note of that, write down what you sent to them, anything that any kind of feedback, like as soon as you adjust something to fit that feedback, send it to them. Like that is such a good workflow to have in terms of trying to build those contacts because you've got to build a foundation for your career and those people your foundation for your career so yeah any kind of relation i mean yeah it applies to everything as well i think it's as relational relational as uh anything or or work i guess especially when you're a freelancer it's yeah 
being polite, getting along with people, keeping, you know, keeping them updated, doing the work on time. Like that's something you've talked about a lot as well is mm-hmm. like being, yeah, being very professional, which is not just about how good our work is, it's how we are, you know, how we behave, how well we respond to criticism and feedback and stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, I, I one, one of the things I find quite funny. So I've, I have had feedback from clients before clients I know well who have said, oh, sometimes you're quite blunt. And I think I just see it as efficiency. But if someone says, oh, can you adjust this? I'll just send a message back being like, here you go. And it's an adjusted thing rather than like waffle on about something, which they don't need to. Like my least favorite meeting is the kind of meeting where someone says the same thing eight times. And I'm like, I got it the first time. There is no point in this meeting. Let's just end this. Everyone can have a more productive day. <laughs> and no one's going to get infuriated with each other. Like, what? why are we listening to this? What's going on? So, yeah, I like a bit of an efficiency. And my end of the bargain is that I have to create something good and I have to create it on time. Like, those are my two fundamental things, you know, meet the brief, all that kind of stuff. But that falls into the create something good. And so if I can't meet a deadline, how are they to trust me in future stuff? Um, and, you know, and that sometimes there's stuff beyond my control. And if a client changes the brief, well, that's them changing their end of the bargain. And so we need to change, you know, how much they're paying me or the deadline or, you know, so it, it's very much this kind of contract that you go into both verbally and, and written down sometimes, hopefully most of the time. And yeah, as part of my thing, I have to meet the deadlines and it's amazing how many people don't. So yeah. Yeah. I've never been, you know, in art school, I, I was always the one <clears throat> finishing things way before Oh yeah, that you were the same, right? Like people that are doing all night as the day before. I was like, "What have you been doing?" It's like, "Oh, but I didn't. No, but I had loads of ideas, but I did it on time." Like I don't, I just don't. It's not my personality, yeah, to do things last minute. No. And, and, yeah. and I've got friends that do, and I've got friends that are amazingly talented creators who who just work better with a close deadline, mm. and that's how their brains work. But it is stressful, <laughs> and you know, I've helped those people. I've got one friend, she does a bunch of different stuff actually, but um, you know, she's done an animation and left it kind of a week till it's actually due and I've sat there helping her with frames because it's ju- there's just not possible for her to do it one as one person and you know one guy at uni he I love his I love his illustrations but he doesn't do it anymore um but yeah he he literally left it to the night before and we stayed up till you know seven o'clock in the morning where he was doing the lines and I was doing the color work and it was it was good fun because we put on music and it was a, a good mm-hmm. laugh but also oh, we were so broken the next day. And yeah. it's just like, why would you do this to yourself on a regular basis? Get it done early and then you can chill. You yeah. know, you've got it done and then you can or, choose whether you want to do another project. Yeah, or, you know. I don't know if you have that, but I get it done early. So I kind of stress myself out mm. to get it done. I'm like, oh, I won't have, I'll do it. And then because I finished it early, I start doing other stuff. So I end up doing so much and people are mm. like, how do you do so much? It's just because... I don't know. I just do a lot and I do it early and then I'm like, oh, but I've got time left. Let's do more stuff. And anyway, it's a funny, yeah. but you're super productive as well. You're quite, you I, create You've a just lot. described me. like the, the, <laughs> the same. And, and something I'm trying to learn at the moment is that downtime. Being a parent as well, it's that element of trying to juggle that as well and, and trying to make sure that you're present in their lives and not knackered because you've been doing loads too much work. And, you know, sometimes you just need to be like, all right, well, I don't need to do this job. Let's just hang out with the kids. <laughs> um, yeah. But it's it's hard because you it's been ingrained into you that you need to try and work. You know, it's this whole kind of capitalist culture of yeah. like work yourself to the bone. And, you know, I don't really believe in that. But it, I've spent 35 years sort of living in that and I'm struggling to kind of pull away from it. So, yeah, it's hard. It's hard. Yeah. And I think it's also because it's part of our identities. Like we identify as people that 
do a lot and do it well and do it on time and all these things and it's us you know and like for us to chill it's like oh like I'm really bad at chilling it's like a friend told me also the other day she was like oh you never do anything not productive I'm like yes mm. I do so I've started playing video games with my partner again because I'm like you know what I need to do something really dumb not really you yeah. know so no, my brain be. switches off and I'm actually not doing it's not really productive it's a bit dumb but it, and it's actually really good for my mental health though you know? Yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, well, I've started playing board games with friends. One afternoon a week, I go and play board games with a couple of mates. It's it's just a time to play, and it's mm-hmm. I I've had to bake it into my what's the my routine mm-hmm. because otherwise I prioritize the work. And yes, I should prioritize work when I have to, but I should prioritize living the rest of the time. And I'm trying to find ways at the moment to kind of bring exercise and stuff back into my yeah. kind of week. And because that just it was one of the first things to fall by the wayside when when kids came. I was I just don't have time and realistically I probably do but I also don't have the energy or the inclination because I'm knackered um and yeah yeah it's hard work-life balance is not an easy thing to figure out and I suck at it and I'm trying so hard to get good at it yeah okay I feel like we're going to talk about this a little later on there's still so much I want to talk about about your work the thing I wanted to ask you that I think is really interesting is so you have your books and you have client work. I've listened to you talk about the process of making the books. I didn't realize that you wrote the books as well. Because when I got the shark one, I just had the shark one, but I need to get the octopus one because it's my favorite animal. But um, I was like, what? So you do all the research and you write the book and you illustrate the book. And then, I mean, you're going to tell me exactly for that, but then you go to your publisher to flying out books and you say, hey guys, this is it. Give me your feedback and then it's good. But that's basically it, right? So you do a lot on it. Yes, but with those books, I've already been commissioned by Flying Eye. Okay. So because I have a relationship with them, we basically say, we're going to do a book about octopuses. We get the contract signed, all those details are ironed out, and then I pump loads of time into it. Because I have to be efficient with time in order to do the things I want to do and in order to make the money that I need to support my family and all that kind of stuff. Like, I need to be efficient with time. Uh, and so I, there's no point in me spending, you know, several months working on this this manuscript for a book that then gets rejected. With new projects and stuff or new clients, then absolutely I'll have to do that sort of stuff sometimes. But with nonfiction stuff, because it's so labor intensive, because the research takes so long, generally in those projects, I've either either kind of given them a synopsis or a general guide to what I might cover, or it'll be just literally, let's do a nonfiction book about sharks. And that tends to be the ones that, yeah, that they're people who know and trust me and we've worked together lots and things. But um, but yeah, the research side is my favourite part. It, it's uh, I mean, obviously I'm an illustrator, but I love researching stuff like that. I find it fascinating and I find animals fascinating. And so sitting there and, you know, having the privilege to be able to spend a month finding out how sharks hunt prey, like that's really cool. And it gets checked over by, you know, professionals. The, I think my favourite person I worked with was Becca and she did the Fanatical About Frogs book uh, with me. And we couldn't get in touch with her for like a month. And we're like, oh, she she gone off the radar. She right? Like, wh- where is she? And then she got back in touch. She was like, I'm really sorry. I've been in the middle of the Amazon rainforest. I've just discovered a new frog. And I was like, well, that's amazing. That's so cool. Uh, so we put her frog into the book. Working with people like that is amazing. But essentially, I do the research. They check it and make sure that it's right because I feel like there's a duty if you're doing nonfiction to try and get it as accurate as possible. And yes, there's going to be mistakes occasionally. And science moves on, and understanding of things moves on. So there might be certain things that might be slightly off. But I try as hard as I can, having not been a biologist or scientist or any of those kind of stuff um, to do as good a job as I possibly can do. What I like with those books is that I get to explore my own 
interests and my own curiosity. So if I'm, I can just go down a weird rabbit hole of trying to figure out, you know, what species of crab that the crabbies in macaque eats. Like I can spend a long time doing that because I care and I'm intrigued. Whereas if I'm given the manuscript by someone else, like I have to go with what they were interested in. And there might be a bunch of stuff that I'm like, boring. Uh, <laughs> but even though it's not boring, but like to my brain, I'm like, eh, I want to know about that. Why is that happening? And so it's a it's a strange one for me to when I when I work with uh, authors as well. But I mean, I've I've always written stuff as well. And I guess... I just thought I'd have a go at it and publishers, obviously you work with editors and you work with create these amazing creative teams that then make you sound much better than you are and they make you more concise. You know, you can already tell I'm not a very concise individual when I speak I think or when are. I write. <laughs> um, it's so yeah, hard, they though. make you better. It's a team effort. Yeah, so it's, good. it's really funny because um, <clears throat> I still want to talk about Mendo and Star Wars to you, but also I'm like... Who's going to care about this? That is going to listen to this? Because I know most people that like Star Wars are usually, you know, I'm, I'm a big nerd when it comes to Star Wars, but most yeah. of my illustrative friends are like, oh, okay, yeah, I haven't, I've seen oh, really? the first, yeah. But maybe it's just my friend. I mean, I don't know. Um, but we, we can talk about it afterwards and I'll take it out. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I, I was very late to Star Wars, actually. Like, yeah. I didn't, yeah, I didn't watch Star Wars until I was about 22, 23. Uh, and that was just some nerd friends just saying, how have you not watched this? Yeah. We need to watch this now. But my family gave me no culture. Like, they liked some cool stuff, but never shared it with me. And I don't know why. That's strange. But like, yeah. yeah. It's really So weird. what, they I'm didn't like, show you film? Like, they, you didn't watch films with them? So they were, I mean, they were, they aren't into films particularly. So, okay. so that's where there was no culture there. But in terms of music, like my dad had this amazing record collection, you know, Led Zeppelin and Pink Floyd and all these mm-hmm. kind of things that he never shared. He just didn't tell, he, I just listened to you know, like Queen and Beach Boys and uh, Beatles and stuff growing up. That's the only stuff they played to me. Presumably he'd made this decision at some point, oh, this other stuff isn't for them. And then when I discovered it myself, he's like, oh, I've got that record. It's like, what? Why? Why have you not told me for 15 years? Like, I could have known about this a long time ago. And like, my mum loved uh, Leonard Cohen and I loved, um, you know, there's this album called Songs of Love and Hate that uh, she absolutely loved. And I discovered it myself and I was sat listening to that in my room and she was like, oh, I love this album. I've got this somewhere. I was like, why, why didn't you tell me? So, yeah, I had to discover a lot of that culture stuff myself. But, uh, mm. Yeah. That's uh, you know, in some ways it's quite nice because then I, I just got to discover this stuff and I could fully appreciate it rather than dismiss it as what my parents are into or whatever. Yeah. I became obsessed with Never Ending Story and was always annoyed about the fact that it ended because I, I I was aware of the fact that it had this kind of Never Ending Story ends. Uh, so even as a kid, I was slightly um, pedantic. But yeah, I, yeah I, don't know, I don't know why they don't share those things. And I think my brother shared a bit of music with me. I've got two older brothers and they shared yeah. a bit of music with me when they got older. Wait, you're close to Brighton, right? Still. Yeah, so yeah. I'm, a, I'm in Worthing. So I'm still half an hour from Brighton, mm. but I'm now along the coast. So obsessed it's, um, with Brighton. Yeah, I, mean, I, I love Brighton. Have you, have you been to Brighton? You... I've been once. It's just full of really good culture, uh, which I loved. So Yeah, yeah, because you're a musician um, as well, which I really admire because I cannot play anything for the life of me. Really uh, you know, have you have you tried? Yes, I used to buy. I used to get gifted all the instruments. And then my brother would look at them and be like, "Oh, cool!" And then he'd start playing and be really good. <laughs> I was like, "Ah, oh, cool! I'll just get the instruments and you get good at them." No, I'm I'm not. Nice. It's I don't have rhythm. Like I don't. Or maybe I've never. I know you know you're probably gonna say, "Oh, but if you worked harder on it or something." But I just it's not my thing. I think. No, I mean, um, yeah. If some people are into something, some people aren't. That's yeah. all good. No, just for I just always, I as soon as I discovered. 
kind of guitar based music I was like well, I want to I want to learn guitar but then I was very into acoustic guitar I liked that I didn't have to plug in a bunch of stuff it was kind of anywhere and I liked the fact that the different way that you played with your thumb or with your nail or with a plectrum like that all made a difference to the sound and uh, it's been I was I started therapy recently and I was chatting to my therapist about how this this has always been a really useful thing in my life to sort of like ground me to just sit and play a guitar and I kind of it's a creative outlet that there is no pressure on there's no you know I've I've been in a couple of bands and things like that but there's no pressure like if I'm rubbish I'm rubbish it doesn't matter like I'm not trying to earn a living from it and illustration was always the thing that I did but now that it's kind of connected to this you know it's of a career now it's not just drawing for the sake of it it's a career and so there's a lot more pressure to it so just sitting down with a guitar and noodling about is just creative bliss it's great it's really nice that's amazing that you have that I think because you, you bake as well and I think baking for me is that's what it is and it's really interesting that you're mentioning the you know we're doing something really creative with our job but then because we win money and it's a career it becomes there's more pressure to it so there's something I wanted to ask you that I think a lot of illustrators struggle with is I mean maybe not a lot but I know I might eventually is that once your style is so defined and you know you you've done so much it's really recognizable and I mean it's amazing but I'm just wondering because if it's evolved as well. If sometimes you get to a point where you kind of outgrown things you've done and clients still come to you and they're like, I want this thing. And you're like, no, 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 I don't want to do this anymore. I want to mm -hmm. do that. Do you have that? I do have that. Yeah. And I am in the immensely privileged position of being able to say no to those jobs if I really want to. So it's, it's not really been much of an issue for me in that I've been able to adjust things so that if a, if a project comes in and it doesn't appeal to me on and sometimes it's just on a financial level but on some level so obviously it needs to be uh, either paid well or be inspirational ideally it's both but you know you can't always have both things so if it's really well paid and it's something of the past that's not too dissimilar to what I'm doing now then I I might try and kind of bring them around to you know what it is I'm doing now and try and bring in some of the more modern influences and things like that but um yeah it's not necessarily that much of an issue for me these days I think back in the day my style changed due to client feedback. I just kept getting the same feedback. I kept getting the same kind of, you know, can we make the, the colors brighter or more saturated? Can we clean this up a little bit, you know, make this a bit less kind of uh, wobbly or whatever? Um, because of the way I was trying, you know, the, the process I was using. And so then kind of the feedback directed me in the direction the clients wanted me to be going and actually it was the direction I found more interesting in the end anyway like I was still kind of finding my feet with it but then after sort of five six years I was lucky enough that uh, I had enough work coming in enough regular work that I could kind of trust myself to say no to a few more things and I've got quite good at saying no these days because I have enough opportunities coming in to, in which is uh, I'm aware that is not regular for everyone I'm I'm very lucky with that so yeah sorry that's an annoying answer because it's not one that everyone can relate to <laughs> <laughs> no I think and I think no but it's also interesting and I think the other part of the question is as well could you ever feel stuck I mean I know personally I always like want to I'm always trying loads of things and I get bored quickly and I'm like oh and this and that and 
do you ever feel sometimes like, oh, now I've got my style, but what if tomorrow I want to do black and white, um, crazy textured, super abstract stuff? You know, do you ever feel like this? Do you know what? I think uh, not massively. I think I try and evolve my stuff constantly. So I will, uh, I very much look at something I've just done and I'll just be like, you know, I don't love the eye in that one. Maybe next time I'll try a different eye. Like I'll play around with that. And I mean, I've now got like, you know, 20 different eye types that I might use for different illustrations. And I'm quite lucky in the fact that my st- my style. I mean, I tend to prefer using the word like way of working. It's, it's not a word, a phrase, way of working, because I think style is kind of an, an innate thing to do with how people perceive the world and who you are as a creator and who you are as a human and all that stuff feeds into it. And at the end of the day, it's kind of you're making these choices about the way that you're working. You know, for example, I'm making the choice to do stuff digitally versus working it kind of with watercolor. And it might be that some of the watercolor stuff will have some similar stuff style-wise to my digital stuff, but you wouldn't say it was my way of working. Does that make sense? It does. It's a good way um, of seeing it, yeah. Because I, I think people have this this massive like hang up about what a style is. And for me, I've formed it as a boundary of things. It's not one thing. This is the edge of it. I can't go past this with client work. <laughs> That's essentially like kind of where I'm at. And so if you look at my shark book, for example, Smart About Sharks, it is a bit more realistic than I might have with some of the other projects. There's a thing I sometimes show where I've got uh, I've just done a penguin book, passionate about penguins. And that's kind of the nature of penguins being all quite similar looking in terms of black and white and different beaks and stuff. There's obviously vast differences if you know their faces, but the the body shape is very consistent and all that kind of stuff. And so the nuances of the shape is very important. And so it has to be a bit more realistic than if someone's just wants a, an editorial about people doing citizen science about penguins, in which case I can just draw a penguin as a triangle shape with a circle on top. And I can be a lot more kind of free with that and so with those non-fiction books it tends to be a bit more precise and realistic and then editorials I tend to be a bit more like I'm going to play with shapes there's a principle that I love of essentially humans being amazing at seeing pattern and seeing shape and, and inferring stuff so that whole thing of a square with a triangle on top being a house that doesn't look like a house but we see it as a house that is amazing that is so cool and so I love playing around with that when I get the chance when a project allows it and that's where my kind of love of shapes and, and geometry and stuff comes with my work but because I'm sticking to digital work I'm sticking to different ways of playing with color and and I'm sticking to kind of geometry. Those are kind of the three pillars, I would say, of my work. And then I have a bit of creative freedom within that and I can play around with that a bit more. So I'm sort of fiddling all the time, but recently I've been adding in line to some of my work. So I, there is an evolution stuff and some clients are just, will just say, oh, you know, we don't want the line and stuff. We want this other stuff. And that's fine because sometimes it will work better without the line. So I am playing in an economic way, you know, in a way that it doesn't, throw everything out I'm, I'm trying to make it so that it still works within my career and that works mm. with my clients and that kind of stuff but it's you know it's a bit of a balancing act yeah, so I feel like I'm giving nice. really useless answers to <laughs> no things, that's really but good but I want to be honest as well you know I don't want to just like say what people might want me to say I no no I think it's great me. and it's yeah it's a really good answer and I think yeah I think I do that as well so your colour palettes I do love your colour palettes so I did Thank in you. part of my research about you <laughs> I did the Domestica course and oh, yeah. um, it's really nice. And uh, yeah, I was amazed. I apologize about the embarrassing uh, me presenting thing. It's not, if I'm speaking, it's fine. But if I have to say specific words, I'm not so great. So I, I thought you were really good. I was like, that. how is oh, he? I just anyone doing, like I've done a few projects where I had to speak in front of the camera <laughs> about the projects. And I start meddling my words out of the thing. I'm like, what was I meant to, like, it's super hard when you have a set things, you know, like 
you've been taught to say a specific thing. So no, you've done really yeah. well. Um, oh, thank you. But yeah, so it was funny because you were researching dogs and and that made me laugh. You were like, oh, all the dogs, <laughs> like you're really into the dogs. Um, yeah, so the colour palettes. It was really interesting to see you, you know, how you work with colour because it's obviously a big part of your work. I love that you use limited colour palettes. What's your thinking behind it? So for me, I really love limited colour palettes, partly because it provides harmony. You know, if, if you... If, That's the if word you, I was looking for. Yeah, if you provide one set of colors and the whole image uses it you know it's going to work if that first palette works it works and with colors i think it's it's fascinating because people were so sort of set on things being a certain color and yet light is so variable that it totally shifts that and so as soon as you step away from that that you think when well, the grass is green well is it always green sometimes it's a bit blue sometimes it's a bit gray as soon as you step away from that then you can kind of free yourself into the world of you know well let's let's just trim how many colors we've got involved and then it's going to be hopefully a more harmonious piece i'm also really interested in kind of mid-century illustration and i love the, the idea of being as creative as you can be within constraints so for me i would never have made a good fine artist I, I don't, to start off with, I don't feel like I've got anything important to say. Um, I just like drawing. I like image making. That's the thing I like doing. But also it's this idea of like, here is a field, go wherever you want. And I would not know where to go or I would potentially not move. I would make a bunch, I would try and figure out what might happen if I go in different directions. Whereas if someone says to me, here is a road, go that way or go that way. That is so much easier. <laughs> I'm like, well, that way he's got the sun. I'm going to walk that way. And so for me, that's my thing with illustration. I set myself these little boundaries. So obviously I've got the brief, I've got the dimensions of the brief, I've got what the client wants, I've got, you know, brand colors, maybe all these things help me to constrain me. And then I'm like, well, how far can I expand within this? How far can I push it? And so setting a limited color palette for me is one of those things where it's quite loose, really. I might add an extra color if I need it, if the palette needs it, but it just gets me moving. It just gets me going somewhere. And then, you know, I can play around with it as I go. And, you know, as I probably said on the Domestica course, colors are so variable based on what they're next to as well, that as I'm creating the final, it will inevitably change anyway. So it gets me moving and then I'll adjust it as I go. Does it? <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm the same. Yeah. yeah. No, it makes a lot of sense. And yeah, it's a very intuitive thing as well. And it, it's funny. Yeah. Colors, I always get, because we all see colors differently as well. There's this mm -hmm. whole thing that I think women are meant to see more colors than men. And then oh, really? we all see, yeah, I think I would, I mean, That's you know, cool. we, yeah, we, we're just amazing. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's, you know, it's so interesting to see how it impacts people and the way they just see a piece and how it talks to them. But um, yes, amazing. So something else I wanted to talk to you about that's a bit less about illustration, but more about the industry is that yeah. so you've been doing all these portfolio reviews for free, which is pretty cool because, well, we need more of these. I'm doing some as well with my platform. Yeah, I saw. It's really cool. Yeah. Well, I thought, you know what, I've... I heard from other people and talking to other creatives that community, I mean, there's the Insta, like Instagram community, but it's not, you know, you don't really get to interact as much as when you're chatting like this on Zoom or in real life. And a lot of people are like, oh, I wish I could just, you know, talk to a real human about my work for five minutes or, you know, and have some feedback and know where to go from there. And um, yeah, that was definitely missing. So it's amazing that you're doing them as well. And um, yeah, tell me more about this. Yeah. So, I mean, it all started in 2020. Essentially, it was this kind of combination of obviously all the stuff with the black lives matter and the sort of being presented so strongly with the privileges that I have just uh, and obviously I've been aware of them at various points throughout my life but just this very kind of clear thing of oh wow I have all the privileges like I pr have pretty much all of them versus other people that are you know marginalized and oppressed regularly or 
or even just occasionally, once is enough. Do you know what I mean? Um, and also 2020 being such an isolating year. And there are so many people that have opportunities and there are so many people that don't get given opportunities. And a large thing of, of this idea was to just be like, well, let's just make sure that people are know what their rights are, know what is expected of them. Like, let's just see if this might be useful to anybody out there. <laughs> um, because I've got, you know, I've got 13, 14 years of experience, which, and I'm just one person and I always make a far, like make a point at the beginning of every chat I have of saying like, these are my opinions. I might be wrong. These are my experiences. I might be wrong because I've been presented with things before as facts and they're not. They're subjective views and they're based on people's experience in life and their experience of illustration and all that kind of stuff. And I like to kind of make sure that people are thinking for themselves and not just taking everything they hear from someone as as, uh, verbatim because, you know, if someone says your work is terrible and you think that's true, that can destroy your confidence. And that's happened to friends of mine where they've met an industry professional and they've just kind of wrecked their enthusiasm for it. And they've taken a, you know, a decade off of before starting work again. It's so heartbreaking because their work is amazing. And so it's this, this thing of just being like, well, I will happily chat to you. You know, at uni, I had this thing of the people around me all the time to chat to about my work. And I might just say like, well, how do I make this portfolio look better? What's, I don't know what's wrong with it. And as soon as I start speaking about it, I'm like, oh yeah, of course it's that. Or someone might have an insight that then just like clicks something in my brain. And so it's an element of that and it's also an element of trying to balance the scales as, as in whatever way I can, because I hate the fact that the industry is subject to the same problems that the rest of the world has. Like, I wish there wasn't a gender pay gap. I wish there wasn't, you know, racism and sort of ableism and all that kind of stuff as well. Like, it's all present in the industry and it sucks. <laughs> so if there's anything I can I can do to help anyone in the industry in any way, anyone that wants it, I'm not going to force it on anyone. But, you know, we've had more than 400 kind of chats and stuff. And, you know, lots of the time people aren't chatting to me. I've got other people, other illustrators and art directors and agents. There's a bunch of different people in the industry who are kind of helping out with these things. They're all amazing individuals. Like they know their stuff so much. And there's a full range of like someone that's just left uni and there's people that have been doing it for 20 years. And it's just amazing to be able to have that opportunity to chat to someone face to face, like you were saying, show them your work and get direct feedback. Because sure, you can go and look on YouTube or whatever, or a domestic course or something like that. And that can help you with your personal practice. But until someone says, oh, you know what, you've got too many hot dogs in your portfolio, you don't realize that's a problem. <laughs> um, you're like, oh, I'm going to be typecast as the person that draws hot dogs all the time. And if you want to, that's fine. But you know, you might want to show that you can also draw I don't know, apples. I don't know why I'm talking about hot dogs and apples, <laughs> but you, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, um, it's that's been, really um, good been cool and you know one of the feedbacks i got from a guy called adam ming who uh his stuff is amazing actually it's great but he uh he said um after the chat that i sort of shared a bit of information which to me seemed kind of almost mundane and to him it was like life-changing he was like oh i'd never thought of it like that Uh, and that's happened to me throughout the years of chatting to different creators and it's just connecting people is so important and you know making sure people are sticking up for themselves in the industry and not being taken advantage of and if they have the privilege to be able to question clients and make them make better choices and things like that as well I think it's an important thing to try and do it's the other thing as well is that like I have the privilege to do these things and so I know not everyone else does and a lot of people are just trying to they're trying to make money so I'm not going to question what people are doing with those sort of things but if people do have the privilege to be able to kind of share that or to at least you know use that privilege in a positive way I think that's um that's a good thing to do Definitely. And it's not much of your time and it really does make a difference. And also I feel like I've learned, I, I, I gain as much from doing these. Like it's funny, 
I did one recently and um, for an illustrator and it was about, she needed feedback on her website. And so I was like, oh yeah. So I think my opinion, again, I'm like you, I'm like, this is just me. And when I'm telling you, I love this and this maybe doesn't work as much. It's my opinion. It's yep. one person and it's super yep. subjective. Um, but I was like, yeah, I think, you know, your website, keep it simple. It, you, your work needs to shine. That's kind of what we try to do. And uh, so she went, nah, she changed it. She was so amazing. She was like, oh my God, yeah, it makes a huge difference. Then it was breaking my mind for a few weeks. I was like, my website is actually quite complicated. Maybe I should <laughs> listen to my own advice. So in up redesigning my website making it simpler as well and so yeah it's funny it makes you think to share things and have conversation with people as well it makes you think about your own stuff and and it, it's good like it's kind of two ways in a nice way i think yeah i don't think i don't think any conversation should be one way if that if it is it's a monologue do you know what i mean like, <laughs> yeah there should definitely yeah but be we're really good at that both of yeah, us we'd be absolutely. really good at monologues so it's good to get checked you know yeah absolutely yeah no i mean i, I love i love chatting to kind of all the people i've chatted to because i've I've chatted to so many different people about their work over the years, just in general as well, not just the portfolio chats. I, you know, I do workshops and go into unis and all that kind of stuff. Being presented with the fact that people don't think the same as you all the time is really huge. <laughs> like just, oh, okay, I would have immediately thought this for this project and gone down that route. But someone else has gone like a totally different direction. And that's incredible. And I like, I love the fact that humans are different. And I, one of the things that, I mean, this this is massively off topic, but uh, one of the things that people talk about all the time is tolerance of other people. And I think tolerance is totally the wrong word because you shouldn't be tolerating other people. You should be celebrating differences. You should be celebrating that we're not all the same. If we were all the same, it would be so dull. Like the whole fact that there are there's a variety in humans is just amazing. And yeah, so I, I reject the term tolerance. <laughs> um, and, and yeah, just love it when I'm kind of presented with other people's ideas and, and create, especially creative stuff. It's just like, wow, okay, yeah, that's really cool. It's so interesting because I was in a, I'm a surfers, you know, surfers against sewage. Yes. Um, I'm a rep for them and we had a conference oh, in Swansea, which is way too far for Margate uh, this weekend. <laughs> and we're at a table and we ended up, it's funny how creative slash artistic people kind of get to, you just don't know how it works. It's like magnets. So I ended up at a table with a white light photographer and another illustrator that I kind of knew a little bit. And we had another girl with us who wants to be a marine biologist, which is amazing. And it's the whole oh, thing cool. of Surfers Against Sewage, all the reps, we're all doing different things. And it was so funny because we started going on tangents about illustration and the, the creative industry. And she was like, oh, I feel so boring. I'm not, you know, I'm not creative. I was like, no, but wait, sorry, we need to stop talking about this because this is amazing. We need yeah. to celebrate that you want to be a marine biologist. Like, like it's really cool and it's important yeah. that we all do different things. You probably would have loved talking about I mean, yeah, know, I'm stuff. quite jealous. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I would have I would have been very happy chatting to her chatting to her for a very long time. She would have been sick of the questions I was asking her. Yeah. But yeah, I would have been yeah, very into that. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. Because yeah, it's funny because I remember you said um one podcast about whale sharks, so they're probably your favourite shark. And they yeah. I think they're my favourite as well. Just diving with one, free diving with one is probably on top of my dream list. Yep, same. Let's do it together. Yeah. (laughs) Can you free dive a bit? Because you said you weren't really sporty and I'm probably way sportier than you. So No, I I had the ridiculous opportunity of going to the Bahamas last year to uh, help working on a marine research vessel. A group of people called Beneath the Waves who are just doing awesome things and they've made these awesome discoveries that will basically help to preserve certain important ecological habitats in the Bahamas and 
further as well. Like they're a really cool company. I was doing a poster for them, and basically that the guy who's running it, Austin, who's uh, amazing, Dr. Austin Gallagher, he was like, oh, you know, do you want to come out and do some research firsthand? I mean, obviously the answer was yes, immediately. And yeah, I was out. I was out there, kind of working up sharks, and uh, you know, helping as part of this team, and just attempting to do some of the kind of free diving and stuff there. I was so bad. It was, like, it was a shell I wanted. For, it was I don't know two meters underwater, and I wanted to pick up that shell to take a photo of it and then just put it back and I could not get it so I had to get someone else to get it for me because I suck at it were your uh, ears hurting were you not equalizing I'm quite buoyant was the main problem <laughs> I'm quite a buoyant human um, so I just couldn't get anywhere but you know I, I had to do my first ever um, snorkeling which was snorkeling with sharks which is kind it's of a amazing. nuts first thing to do yeah, I want to see more wildlife in the wild in general I'm always kind of amazed by it and my wildlife experiences are, are usually kind of weird little fleeting things i don't have the best eyesight either so it's usually like a flash of something and someone's like yeah that was a kingfisher I'm like, oh that's really cool i i don't really know what it looks like from that but it's cool i saw a kingfisher and living in falmouth for like three years the amount of people that saw seals i didn't see one i was with them but i could not see that seal for my life <laughs> no idea where it was so yeah i'd like to see more wildlife in the wild that'd be very cool mm, maybe in a few years we'll both be on a project like having to draw like a whale shark and they'll be like you guys maybe you you <laughs> need to see a whale shark in real life too or maybe even better we tell them we cannot draw one if we haven't seen one because yeah. you know we gotta get the inspired <laughs> like we gotta feel inspired but like yeah. yeah we'll go free dive and and then we'll draw you know yeah. and then it won't look anything like the real one because I'll start and really <laughs> yeah oh. mine will just be a, a large page of blue because I didn't get anywhere near it because of my terrible free diving but yeah it's <laughs> I, I, I'd like to time. do more of that sort of stuff where I get to actually experience stuff as well I've spent the last you know 14 years mainly at my desk drawing all these incredible things and researching these incredible things and a, a lot of it was trying to build my career but you know this whole thing of work-life balance like yeah. I've done the work I want to keep working sure but it'd be nice to get more of the life in as well <laughs> I um, think yeah but you know I feel like I always think about it as well because so we've we both have daughters and um I think it's okay for us right now hopefully we'll live a little bit longer than, you know, yeah, but it's okay for us right now to be working really hard and um, being with our families and stuff. And maybe when they're older, you know, when they live like 20 or something, we can True. travel the world a bit more. I think it's just phases of your life because you couldn't want to do it now, but then you'd probably miss your family and you'll be like, oh no, yeah, you know. Um, it's, it's definitely a problem when I'm away I, I miss them immensely and I feel bad as well because it means my partner has to pick up my slack and it's I'm, I'm there diving with the sharks and yeah. I have a chat and it's like yeah I'll, yeah three meltdowns on the way back from school okay yeah sorry <laughs> <laughs> no I mean uh, one of the things actually that's been really good with me it, it's terrible that it's required me to have children for me to kind of figure it out but it, it's made me set these boundaries better so the idea I basically work a nine to five job now most of the time and beyond that time clients won't hear back from me until the next day because why should they <laughs> um, and for years like you know 11 12 years it, I was I was at clients beck and call and you know i'd regularly get that thing of like oh we're off a holiday for the week if you could get the artwork done by the time we're back that'd be great and i'd be like well what about what about my holiday what about my weekend like what huh? and so now i'm i'm just much better at just saying to clients it's the half term this week so i'm sorry i'm actually away with my children and if something is tiny and needs to be done and it's really urgent then there's a chance i'll do it but in, ten in general i'm trying to be better at just saying nope i will do it when i'm back and just that thing of having that separation between the work and actually living living my life and spending time with my family and spending time with friends and doing th things I want to do, you know. But it's it's hard to get into the habit of 
having spent so many years being the other way, I'm sure you feel yeah. similar. I'm worried because my partner is going this week to do a wing a winging course and winging you know, winging. So we've got that's funny. You need to come see us. We've got kite surfing school, so I kite surf. Ah, wicked. And he's been learning winging, which you might have seen it, but it's you're on a foil board and you've got a bit of a ah, you know. Ah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So he's doing a course, so he's going this week, and so I'm going to say I'm going to be looking after my daughter a lot more. So I'm going to have yeah. to be saying the same to Clara, saying, guys, I don't have as much time this week. Yep. But also he's not going to be there in the evenings. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. Does that mean I can work way later? In the, you know, I'm like, ooh, because it, it having him and my daughter, yeah, it, it creates boundaries where I'm like, yeah, you okay, it's 6.30. Maybe I should stop now and go down and make food and have a chill. But if he's not there and it's the same before meeting him and I'm not great because I love it so much. And like the podcast and everything, I'm going to be like, oh, maybe I can edit the episode. Maybe I can do that, you know. So having a family, it does help in being like, Mel, stop working. Come on. I think it's interesting as well. I think clients, I think it's a societal thing, a societal Mm -hmm. issue in that I think clients respond better to when you say, I'm sorry, I've got kids. I can't do it. Then if you were just to say... I can't do it because I need some time to me. For some reason, it's like a, I don't Better know, it's, just, it's a it's trump weird, card. Though. Yeah, and yeah. it shouldn't be because no, yeah. if someone wants to have a bath, that mm. if they need that bath, that is mm. enough. That is as important yeah. as, you know, something else. And so it's a weird sort of thing. It, horrendous predatory men at a bar talking to women and them saying oh I'm not interested and they not Mm. give up but if they say I've got a boyfriend they give up Uh, and it's just like what no no is enough you don't need that extra bit do you know what I mean no definitely I guess we could just finish up on the idea that you've done so much already between the books and the client work is there still something that you really you're kind of dreaming about and again like you said you often said no you're in a really nice and privileged position where you do get work coming to you and probably really cool dreamy projects coming to you like going to the Bahamas uh, yeah. which is even probably better than doing the poster you were like this is <laughs> this is just way better yeah, um, yeah is there still something where you're like oh, I really want to do this and I've not been asked do you know what I was very close to do it because I love music I've mentioned it a few times but uh, and music festivals is something that I have always adored as well there's just this amazing atmosphere at them um and I've been loving going to them for the last you know 20 years of my life and in 2020 I'd finally managed to do an, an illustration for a poster for a, a festival and I was going to do all of the stuff like wristbands the lanyards you know the booklets that you get when you get there all the stuff around the stages all that kind of stuff but then it got cancelled because of 2020 mm-hmm. uh, and I was so pleased with the artwork as well and it's just it never became anything so doing one of those sort of things would be really cool and also so I'm a, I'm a massive nerd I kind of mentioned and I've, I've been getting into my board games a lot and I've designed a, a card game, which is kind of fantasy card game with trolls and ogres and things like that and people with swords. And yeah, I've designed this card game that I'm going to release on, on Kickstarter later in the year. So that's my next kind of like, well, I can't just go to, well, I probably could go to different festivals and say, oh, I want to work with you, but I don't think it would make much difference. Whereas this other kind of create my own card game feels like a more achievable thing. So that's that's what I'm working on at the moment. And hopefully that'll be out this year, which is really exciting. But yeah, we'll see if, if anyone backs it people might not <laughs> i'm sure they will it's gonna yeah. be really exciting 
it was just really nice talking to you and hearing more about you because I guess I've learned a lot about your work just talking to you on the internet but it's always nice to have a real life conversation and I love that we've got a lot in common except I'm better at mm-hmm. freediving than you I mean, you're probably better at all sport-based things than me, and that's all good. You can teach me something sometimes. Yeah, that's, and you can fine. teach me guitar. No, no, actually you cannot because I've, people have tried to teach me and my patience runs so thin. But um, yeah, maybe one day we'll go, you know, who knows? We'll yeah. go somewhere in the Pacific Ocean and we'll be freediving with whales. Be like, our oh, job is awesome, man. Yeah. And that, that'll be our, our thing. That'll be amazing. No, thank you. Thank you for, I mean, you know, I've loved chatting to you. It's been lovely. But yeah, thanks for wanting to chat to me in the first place. I'm hoping that anyone that listens to it hasn't found it immensely boring or anything like that. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And one thing I was going to do was ask if, you know, if anyone either wants to do portfolio chats um, in terms of being, you know, one of the mentors that hosts the chats, or if someone falls into the categories of being marginalized or oppressed or from one of those communities, um, please do try and sign up to them because we are very willing to try and kind of help and, and anyone that that is that wants it so yeah it'll be it'll be cool to meet some of the people that are listening to this as well if they if they're here yeah of course i will put loads of links in the bio thank you yeah that'd be great thank you so much for listening i really hope you enjoyed our conversation if you want to know more about mimi then head out to mimiforcreatives.com and make sure to check the show notes for more details about our guest i'll see you soon Mm -hmm.